There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Live sport, the latest headlines, and top debate. This is The Grill. Live from Kicker's Sports Bar with Tom Urquhart. On Dubai Eye 103.8. This podcast down here at Kicker's uh, this afternoon. Um, why not as well? It's a Saturday. It's the end of term. There's no school run tomorrow. People have got one eye on their summer holidays. So come on down here and enjoy the live sport which has been played out on all of the screens down here. If you can't make it down here, do send us your thoughts. Text us on 4001 if you disagree with everything we've been saying about the Tour de France, about Wimbledon and of course about the ICC Cricket World Cup. Feel free to air your opinions with us now Uh, and of course we'll be welcoming more guests to the show between now and the end of play at 6 o'clock. However, uh, all sorts of deals, food and beverage wise, during the ICC Cricket World Cup down here at Kickers in the Heart of Dubai Sports City. Uh, we've got Matt Fortune alongside us. He's uh, well. He's he's not got the lycra on as far as I can see at the moment, but he's keeping an eye on the Tour de France. For us. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be near me and lycra in a summer's day like this. So absolutely not. Well, as you say, not with Ron- all that vast apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that was off the record, Tom. Those stories are not for broadcasting. Uh, as you say, it's the the first stage today of the Tour de France, the 106th edition of a race that was actually invented by a man who wanted not just a winner, he wanted only one person to survive. That's the sort of three weeks. That these riders have got ahead of them for today though it's a 200 kilometer relatively flat course a couple of cobbles and it's proving to be a little bit flat as an atmosphere i'm afraid there was a breakaway group including a couple of host riders from belgium at the beginning but that has slowly been eaten away by the peloton there's about a minute and a half gap we're expecting there to be a sprint finish the most exciting thing i can tell you and I say exciting, the most thing of note, should I say, that's happened so far is after about seven kilometers with four riders well out ahead, the rest of the group decided they maybe taken on a little bit too much fluid before the race had started and stopped for, shall we say, a break together. I quite like the fact that one of them said to the other one, <laughs> I need the loo here, buddy. Do you mind if we all stop? And they all took to the side of the road and then got cracking again. As one, as one. Uh, what have we got going on at Wimbledon? A big, big day at Wimbledon. It is middle Saturday, all sorts. Let's have a look at the feature courts. What can we expect from for, 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 in the next couple of hours? Uh, Ash Barty, the number one seed from Australia, taking on Harriet Dart of Great Britain. That's followed by the Frenchman Joe Wilfred Songer against Rafa Nadal after his second round victory against Nick Kyrgios. Lucas Puyol of France takes on Roger Federer. They follow the Songer-Nadal game. Out on court one, Serena Williams has got a toughie. She's up against Julia George of Germany. Then Sloane Stephens is in action against Johanna Conta of Great Britain. And they finish up play with Xiao Sousa against Danny Evans of Great Britain. Lots of tennis to look forward to. Lots of cricket as well. Not one, but two games. Mark Archer. Yeah, two matches today in the ICC Cricket World Cup. The 44th match and the 45th match. The early match is Sri Lanka taking on India. India wanting to win to jump above Australia and take on New Zealand in the semi-final later this week. If they finish second, they'll end up taking on England in that, in, in that semi-final. Sri Lanka batting first, 177 for four after 37 of their 50 overs. Great partnership uh, forming now of 122 runs between Angelo Matthews, who's 69 not out, and uh, Luru Thuraman, who is 52 not out. So Sri Lanka have staged a great recovery here, 177 for four. 13 overs of their 50 remaining in this match, Tom. Uh, the Super Rugby season came to a crunching conclusion a little earlier on. What happened? Yeah, big match down in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. The Crusaders playing uh, at home, attempting a record 10th Super Rugby title. They were looking for three consecutive uh, wins in the Super Rugby Championship. We're taking on, taking on 
first-timers in the final, the Haguaris from Argentina, travelled all the way from Buenos Aires, they beat the Brumbies last week, had to travel to, take, to Christchurch to take on the... what happened a little bit earlier today. The city of Christchurch again plays host to a Super Rugby final as the defending champions, the Crusaders, play the Juarez from Argentina. This is the 24th Super Rugby Grand Final. Crusaders looking to make it title number 10. Another kick coming here from Brunhall. Diaz Benicia. Then he down he goes. And this could be a more. Yeah, turned over his mate. He's been turned over here. Sam Whitelock in a bit of space. Got it away to Taylor. Cody Taylor. First try of the final. You can see here how Veerly's on him, Todd's on him. Look at Todd's hands. So Todd's hands are wrapped around the ball and he rips it free. Places it down, scooped up by Kieran Reid. Whitelock puts the hammer down, draws in two defenders, still had some work to do to get rid of Cabelli Taylor, but it's enough and he crashes over. Mark Archer, never in doubt. No, well, oh, I'll tell you what, it was a tough match and the Haguaris really stepped up today, but uh, probably showed a little bit of inexperience in the finals um, and the Crusaders just were too clinical at the right times and they had so, such an experienced bunch of forwards, particularly Kieran Reid, Sam Whitelock, Cody Taylor. Uh, all, all, all black front row and they just really sort of squeezed the life out of the Haguaris in the end but valiant effort for them the Crusaders won the match 19 points to 3 one try only in the match for Cody Taylor the try we just heard uh, Richie Moanga had a good game at 10 he really dictated play kept the, keep the Crusaders in the right parts of the field he converted the try and also added 4 penalties in a, in a perfect kicking performance so Crusaders 19 Haguaris 3 and I'll tell you what though Tom watch out for Argentina at the Rugby World Cup because I'll tell you what They've got, they add six players to that squad, all playing in, in Europe, mainly in France, and they will be a team to watch. They've made the semi-finals last time around, and they're in the same pool with England and with France. I tell you what, Argentina will get out of that pool and be in the quarterfinals. Will they? We'll Mark wait my and words. see. Let's see. Well, let's get the thoughts of one man in the know. Uh, the director of rugby at the newly formed Dubai Knights Eagles Rugby Club, right down here at Dubai Sports City. We'll talk about that merger. We'll talk about the season ahead uh, with Sean Kerry in just a few moments' time. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on board. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that one bold statement from Mark Archer. Watch out for Argentina later on this year at the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with that. Um, Argentina will be a force to be reckoned with, I think. Um, that match today was very tough on them. I mean, they had a, a seven-day turnaround from the semi-finals, and they had to travel large distance. And to go to the home of the Crusaders, it's a, it was a tough ask. It was a really tough ask for them to win that. But yeah, maybe maybe the uh, the final of the of the Super Rugby should be in a neutral venue. But that's the way it is, you know. We love to have a good old sort of debate about uh, possibilities for World Cup in World Cup years. All that chat that goes on the lead-up to the first whistle on the first day of the tournament. As things stand for you, though, as a proud Irishman. Thoughts on Ireland's chances? Um, I wouldn't be overly confident at the moment, but uh, you never know. They can they can kind of turn things around in these warm-up games that they have against uh, England and Wales. They'll be really really put to the test, and you'll be able to see. Um, the group is a little bit easier than the other ones, so if they can kind of come out of that group with not too many injuries, then we might be in a better position, I think, come quarter-final stage, but we still never got past the quarter-final, so semi-final is always the aim for Ireland. This mob still the mob to beat, the All Blacks? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, as you've seen there today, Crusaders absolutely flying it. Um, I think there'll be a tough decision to be made at number 10 with Mwanga playing really well today. Um, whether Bowden Barrett starts 10 or not, either way they're going to be in, a, in, in good shape. 
and I, I think they are the favourites, yeah. Archie, who gets 10? I think Bowden Barrett will start 10, but what I think they'll do is they might end up in the second half of matches shifting him to 15 and giving him a bit of space like uh, Damian McKenzie used to have, and then Moanga will come on for the final 20 minutes, so you've got two playmakers. But Moanga is a fine player. He'd probably start at 10 for many of the other, other countries, and it's a, it's a good position to be in having two world-class 10s. And Yeah, I think, I think that's what will happen. As the games open up, we know Bowen Barrett's good with a bit of space, taking the ball with a bit of, bit, bit of room to move at 15. He's been shown to be vulnerable against strong rush defences without time and sort of space to be able to manoeuvre his brilliance. He's so quick off the mark and such good vision. But Mwang is more of what a classical type sort of fly half. Can, can run as well but also pass and kick. And I think Barrett moving to 15 in sort of when second half of matches when they open up will be a good, uh, a good extra dimension for the All Blacks. Rugby World Cup starts in uh, October. The final was November the 2nd, so maybe even the end of September. It's probably a five-week event, so pretty much runs all the way through October. Final in Tokyo, Yokohama to be in fact, November the 2nd. I'll be there, Tom. You want to come along? You, you want to come will. along for the ride? Have you put your holiday dates in yet or Mate, not? <laughs> just done. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> Semi-finals and finals. How to make an impression. Yeah, I'm off. You know, that's it. I'm off. Uh, listen, obviously that's uh, on, the, uh, on, on the horizon um, and so much to look forward to, a lot of chat around it. Uh, but want to focus a bit more, if we can, on uh, the local rugby scene. Another successful season uh, for club rugby here in the UAE. Came to a conclusion a little earlier on in the year and in the off-season, uh, as is the one we're going to talk obviously about transfer uh, deadline a day in just a few moments time the world of football some big news though coming out of Dubai Sports City a couple of weeks ago unveiling the merger of their premier rugby clubs the Dubai Eagles with fellow club Arabian Knights the news which was announced at Sports Village by senior executives of Dubai Sports City and the UA Rugby Federation uh, well Pretty much sort of shouts a great opportunity to create a club that offers the best rugby experience in the region to players of all ages and skill levels. One man who's been instrumental in that is the director of rugby, uh, Sean, who's with us here down at Kickers. Has this been a long time in the making? Um, I wouldn't say a long time, but over the last couple of months, it's kind of been on the on the back burner, and uh, we, um, we we pushed it through there recently. Over the last month, we, we got it over the line, but. Um, it makes it makes sense for both clubs. It's the, the Arabian Knights are a really old club. They're ten years in Dubai. Uh, the Dubai Eagles were a relatively new club, two years, and then uh, it just made sense. The Arabian Knights were, were basically playing their games and training out of Dubai Sports City anyway. So um, they have a huge junior section there, and it, it just it was it was the right thing to do in in this time in, in the UAE. Sports City will be your home, will it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So Sports City, the sports park, is home for all our fixtures, all our trainings. And in terms of the newly formed club, if you like, so it's the Knights Eagles, Dubai Knights Eagles, That's yeah? It, yeah. In terms of the sort of expectations as well and how it sort of changes the landscape of club rugby here, tell us a bit about that. Um, I, I, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to be a very, very large club just, just starting off with the amount of numbers that we have there. Um, the expectation is obviously to deliver the best experience for anyone that wants to get into rugby and anyone that already plays rugby and, and, and wants to take it up again. Maybe there are expats that have come to Dubai and haven't played rugby in a long time we, we, we do we do it all basically we, we kind of have a, a base for everybody Knights obviously sorry Archie uh, Knights obviously with with in terms of years gone by a bit of legacy behind them Eagles making a statement over the last couple of years as well but as we all know all, all, all fans of sport you know we're very close to our club colours as well how do you amalgamate those yeah that's it I mean that's going to take time I think for people to kind of get used to the name adding the other other club's name onto your name but um as I said, everyone here is kind of an expat that are playing, and we um, 
we kind of play for your friends more than an actual team so I think having this is, is a good idea as long as we keep uh, the spirit of the game right then th these things will just lock, look after themselves and Sean how does the merger sort of bring together different different teams in the club now obviously there's a men's section yeah. um, will you have a female section or do you also have a, a large youth section like we see at some of the other clubs like the Exiles and the Hurricanes have large youth catchments yeah so it'll actually come together quite nicely so we, uh, we had a premiership side and they had a conference side so now the joining of the two, we'll have a conference and a Premier side and a community side. We already had a women's team, so our women's team are, are the best in the UAE. They've won the Dubai Sevens the last two years in a row. They're really good. Um, they, they haven't had a women's team, so now they'll, they'll, their members will have a chance to play women's rugby. We only did up to under 12, so we didn't do any, anything older than that. They have a really strong under 16s, under 14s age groups, so that's going to add a lot to the people that were involved in our club. So. It balances out really well, the fact that there's, diff there's different teams for everyone to play with now. And you have a great clubhouse here at Kickers, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, we've, we've <laughs> Kickers here, it's great. More importantly. Uh, in terms of, uh, it, 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 we were just talking uh, to, to Sam about, um, uh, you know, about other academies and obviously the sports landscape here is growing all the time. It's great seeing new clubs coming in, great seeing new academies coming in. It's testament really to the growth of the region and sport with that as well. But we all know, you know, club, clubs like to have a bit of a whinge. They like to have a little, little bit of a chat as well. What have the likes of your Exiles and your Canes and your uh, other teams been saying yeah, about no, it? Actually, everyone's been very supportive, to, to be honest. I've got a lot of text messages saying it's a good move for everyone to inv involved. It. Everyone wants rugby to grow here and to, to join two clubs and make them a little bit stronger than... It's going to make the league more competitive, so everyone's everyone's happy, everyone's behind it. I mean, it's common sense at the end of the day, exactly, isn't it? Rather than dilute that talent, that talent part, bring exactly. it together. I mean, the standard of rugby here over the last couple of years, I'm, I'm here six years, I've played for six years, and it's just getting better and better. It's, it's very close to levels back home, um, national one levels and stuff like that in England. It's, it's a really good standard, especially at the top, the likes of Bahrain, Exiles, Dragons, Canes, they're all really good teams. and. And the idea is to make them improve and then for, for UAE rugby itself and the nation to improve as well. And Sam, I mean, we were talking about this just a few moments ago, weren't we? You know, this, 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 this common sense approach rather than people not talking to each other and trying to poach players and trying to poach talent bits and pieces, everyone working towards a common goal. That's something you're seeing in cricket at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, at the moment, um, with all the teams trying to trying to work together, I think that the sort of key standout people are trying to pull the sport together and work together, um, and, that, and then I think everybody else follows underneath. So as long as you've got those core influencers, really, that are trying to really say, well, listen, cricket is the, the main objective here, rather than just a small academy taking off. If we can pull together cricket, it will be better for everybody. Because you mentioned earlier that the Emirates Cricket Board and UA Cricket Federations were doing their bit as well. Is it the same for UAE Rugby Federation? Um, yeah, so the, the UAE Federation, they, they, um, they, they put a lot of work into expat rugby. The, the GRM is a new, newly formed uh, management of the league, so they've, it's, it's, it's uh, backed by Emirates, so they do a lot of work as well. And Their goal is to drive to make the, the match days better, the, the fixtures better, and to make it more competitive as well. And in terms, you mentioned there about the sort of league structure as well. I just wonder whether, Sam, is that something you're seeing in cricket as well at the moment, or is that something that we are looking for as well locally? No, we've got under-13s leagues, uh, under-15s leagues and under-19s leagues, so it's really been taken away from the academies a little bit and more given to the Emirates Cricket Board to, to take that uh, forward. Anyway. <laughs> Look at that. 
Um, so yeah, the leagues are really quite structured from the UAE now, as opposed to running friendlies or small individual leagues, which is better. You know, everyone's got a consistent rule, regulations, umpires are provided, um, balls, water, and there's a little bit of an expectation of, of how you coach from the sideline. Do you coach, do you not? And at what age groups and, and distances and things like that. It's really taken shape over the last year or, or two, um, which is great to see. And Sean, we're, you know, we're talking World Cup cricket today. We've got cycling on, we've got Wimbledon on. But I guess we're getting close to that stage when you guys will start doing some pre-season training and uh, looking to bring in new numbers, seeing who else is new into town, doing a bit of recruiting. But obviously you've got such a strong player bent. When does your sort of pre-season get underway and, and then how's that, how's that sort of shaping up? Yeah, we've actually already started our pre-season in the gym. So we, we do about six, six uh, sorry, three weeks of gym work before we actually take to the field. But um, we've, we've started that last week. We'd have, we've had two gym sessions already. So really getting the guys going fairly early doors. But... Um, yeah, so we, we won't take to, we won't take to the field for another couple of weeks, but we're, we're trying to bulk up, I think. And good num and good numbers. So obviously, yeah. fitness is important this time of year. The fitness training before you start doing too much skills work, but is it all sort of numbers getting in a few new faces coming exactly, in? Yeah, so it's been very it's a lot of new faces because we we're obviously joined clubs now, so um, quite a, quite a few new people that we, we haven't we haven't had last year to pick from. But um, yeah, the numbers have been great over the first. Two weeks. How long they continue depends on I think how tough the sessions are. We might get a few lads dropping off as it goes on. But. To that end, if there are people listening out there saying great opportunity. Yeah, I live near to Dubai Sports City. Like to get involved. What's the best way for people to come and show their, if they are interested to get involved? Yeah, I mean we've got, we've we've got all social media. We Facebook and Instagram. We get a lot of direct messages on that. So I think the the, the easiest thing to do is just is find us on online and just write a message to us and we'll, we'll give you the preseason schedule. Do you do sort of open training sessions and things yeah, like that? Yeah, it's all open training sessions for pre-season. Anyone's allowed down, so any level, any standard, if they've never played before, they can come down. We've, we've got a team for everyone, so especially in these pre-seasons, very, very easy going. It's not, it's not a, no one expects you to be a, a professional rugby player or anything. It's just uh, it's just getting feet on the floor and numbers numbers down to training, I think. And is that something you try, and obviously you're the director of rugby, so you've got one eye on results, you've got one eye on uh, on, on on the team and, the, and the, the filling those teams. This whole word we hear about culture in a club, is that something that you're looking to develop again after the merger? Absolutely, yeah. So that's, that is the most important thing for clubs, is to build that culture. And that takes time, it just doesn't happen overnight. Or when you join two clubs, it's going, to be, it's going to be a tough challenge to get that culture right from the start, but... Um, I think we're in a good position to, to, to have it. We have all the facilities there to make everything comfortable for everyone, so the culture kind of looks after itself then when people have, don't have to worry about much. And you do have a great training facility here. Obviously, you have the outside pitches, you have the gymnasium and a pool, and uh, obviously, occasionally, you may even come to this wonderful inside pitch here to do some skills work as well. So Not many Gary Owens in there, though, that's for sure. No, no, but a bit, bit, bit of grubber kicking into the corner, I guess. But it is amazing facilities here at Dubai Sports City. You're very fortunate to have sort of state-of-the-art facilities right in a pretty central location so people can get here from either downtown or the Jebel Ali Marina into town is probably 15-20 minutes either way which is a good advantage for the club. Yeah I mean that indoor facility we have here we, we'll be doing our pre-season uh, training in that for, for the months of the summer when it's too hot to be outside I mean I just seen Ireland have built an indoor training facility and, and, and they're one of the top teams in the world and they only have one now and we've had this for the last 10 years so it's amazing that we can train on this, but yeah, it's, it's great. Not bad facilities to have. A uh, quick reminder uh, to those out there that want to find out more, if they want to find out on social and things like that, where yeah. can they find you? It, uh, on Instagram or Facebook, we're the Dubai Knights Eagles Rugby. Um, you'll find us on that and you can just drop us a line.
get involved there. And to, and to that, I mean, we talk a lot about the facilities here. Uh, Charles, I mentioned earlier, you know these facilities well, but it's just cricket. Normally, it'd be based out of Dubai College for the last couple of seasons. Is that still the case? Or are you sort of spreading your wings? Yeah, no, we've um, we, we've still based out of Dubai College. Um, and we've also, this year, we've been using Jebel Ali Shooting Club. Um, fantastic facility now. They've uh, put in middle wicket, six turf nets, a couple of Astros. Um, and being looked at by some of the counties and associate nations, which is fantastic. Um, and then we've got some uh, new um, venues on the horizon in September. So we're starting two new venues, um, one in Sharjah uh, and one down sort of the other end of Dubai. Um, and we also offer a, a program, what we call satellite programs in the schools. So we go yeah. into the schools to make it a little bit more accessible for some of the parents. Um, and that seems to be really doing well as well. Places still available for the summer camps as well? Yeah, the first week sold out, unfortunately, but week two and on, on Not unfortunate for you, that's good, isn't that's it? That's good for us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for the game. Um, yeah, so week two onwards at Dubai Sports World, um, Dubai World Trade Centres, um, there's uh, numerous opportunities to come down and train. We've also got some slots around um, corporate tournaments as well, so we've got some weekend opportunities to do some, some work there. Just a quick question to both of you as well, because both of you have been very much invested into development of your respective sports here in the region, from youth levels all the way up to elite as well. In a World Cup year, and we are in a year of a Cricket World Cup and a Rugby World Cup, is that a good year to sort of bring new talent on? Are you finding sort of kids being enthused by the Cricket World Cup and wanting to emulate the sort of uh, performances they're seeing? 100%. I think you see it with the tennis, you see it with the cricket, any major event, it, it does bring out that joy when dads are watching it, mums are watching it, all of a sudden the, the kids are exposed to it a little bit more and go, oh, you know, I want to I have a go at this. Um, so we've, we've seen a big boost in the last, the, the franchise cricket has been helping, but then the Cricket World Cup, there's nothing like it, that it has really brought the, the, the kids that just, you know, maybe just want to take a, a chance, maybe take an opportunity and, and, and go for it. The same for rugby as I'd well? Say, yeah, Sam's right there. Um, when this Rugby World Cup happens, we're going to see a, an explosion of kids wanting to, wanting to take up rugby. And it's the same every every four years. I think it's the same for football after the World Cup as well. Once once the kids see it on TV and they see their home nations doing well, then they, they automatically just want to come down and play as well. Sure, I've got to be careful what I say. I mean, franchise cricket, we've seen them use, or a lot of big tournaments using... Um, the UAE, Dubai, Sharjah, Abu Dhabi, uh, four tournaments in the past. That's also helped to sort of grow the game of cricket. Yeah, 100%. I mean, opportunities to watch the game, interact with players. Some of our academy kids have been netballing against these, these franchises. Um, and general, just more awareness of the game and, and, and players entering the UAE. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And what I'm saying, I need to be careful what I say here because there are rumours doing the rounds at the moment. Um, I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but suggestions that big games could be coming to the UAE later on this year. More clubs looking to use facilities here for training, possibility of matches as well. Would that also help to grow the game here, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think Dubai is an ideal destination. People, people want to come here and play games, so... I can see that over the next couple of months there'll, there'll be a few um, few games. And obviously, we got the Dubai Sevens as well, which attracts a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you'll have teams in that, obviously. Yeah, we have teams. I mean, our women's team are defending champions of it, so our men's team will catch up and try and, try and <laughs> give it a go. Uh, sure, you've given us the details that for people to get involved. It's Dubai Knights, Eagles Rugby. Uh, get yourself on social media, say hi, start that conversation with Sean and the rest of the team, and you can come down and take part. Uh, to you, Sam Charlie, you've been really kind with your time today. If people want to find out more about the summer camps or, of course, the new courses, how do they do that? Um, similar uh, social media, it's just Cricket UAE, or our website, it's just Cricket. I dropped that Drop one. Drop that one. <laughs>
um, yeah, it's just cricket.com. Um, get online and uh, drop us an email and, and all the details are on there. Mate, can't thank you enough for uh, all your time. Sure, another point? Yeah, just uh, obviously Sam's first week is full of, of his uh, sports camp. We, we actually do a sports camp as well. So, oh, do you? Cool. Yeah, so we do a mixed one of all different sports. So if When's you, if you can't get into Sam's one, we, we'll be doing one this week. <laughs> When's that day? That's, uh, it's, it starts, uh, it was last week and it's this week for the next six weeks as okay, well. Okay, brilliant. So, yeah. so people can Dubai get Sports City, yeah, so. Down at Dubai yeah, Sports City, yeah. There will be, will be play a part in it. So. Rugby's playing a part in that, so come on down to Dubai Sports City. Be part of the summer camp there as well. Um, I've got to let you go to your drink because you've been good with your time. I can see it there getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Uh, but uh, Coventry, any, any 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 movement in the transfer market at the moment? I'm not sure about the transfer market, but did you see the kit launch the other day? No, Mag- I did. Magnificent, is beautiful, it? yeah. Something special, yeah. And a local sponsor from uh, Allsop and Allsop based here as well, which is which is fantastic. They're, I think that was their fourth season sponsoring the kit, which is remarkable. So yeah, they've done well this year and uh, beautiful kit. Once you mentioned the S word there, we might as well have a quick word about that because you know the efforts that all of you guys put in with your respective clubs always benefits as a, as a, as a result of spon- existing sponsors but also potential sponsors as well um you go you okay with sponsorship at the moment yeah we've we've actually just had um a, a company called pure Card come on board as, as main sponsor in infinite um as a, a sleeve sponsor they're really showing sort of a willingness to pure Card is around single-use plastic so nice fit for the kids fantastic and infinite is around um computer technology and surfing safely um especially for around kids so both a real nice fit for schools and, and youngsters that we're working with um, and it just enables us to broaden technology and spend a little bit more on facilities and, 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 and the kit themselves as well so it's fantastic for us it's really stepped up a little bit this year you've got a bit more space on the shirts if, if anyone's interested yeah there is one more sleeve you available can make, can make a bit of space yeah, yeah maybe Dubai Eye maybe <laughs> oh, I don't know about that <laughs> uh, for you Sean as well it's been a new opportunity I suppose for sponsors yeah we're actually very lucky at the moment we, um, we're sponsored our main, our main title sponsor is Altrad so they they sponsor France and they, they own Montpellier so we've got a good relationship going with them at the moment and we hope to continue that over the next couple of years but we obviously have another sleeve and we have the back of the shorts as well if, uh, if there's other people interested in uh, fine space don't exactly we? fellas thank you I won't keep it any longer uh, you've been really kind with your time Sam Charlie Sean Carey thank you much indeed for both being with us all the best for the summer and the new seasons thanks Sam thanks for having us we're going to take a short break when we come back we will be talking uh, football finals and transfers This is The Grill, live from Kickers Sports Bar, where the game is always on. Huge thanks then to uh, Mr. Sean Kerry, the Director of Rugby for Dubai Knights Eagles Rugby Club, the newly formed um, uh, entity down here at Dubai Sports City. And of course, my man Sam Charlie over there, uh, who... I, didn't really, I feel really bad now because uh, Sam's got family in town. They've been waiting patiently uh, and, and he's had a drink waiting there for about 45 minutes as well. I think we might have to get him another one. I think that one's got warm now. Fairly inconsiderate of you, Tom, but uh, yeah, there you go. I'll sort them out afterwards. Anyway, Sam Charnley from It's Just Cricket, both of them joining us uh, earlier on in the show. Uh, Matt Fortune's here with us to talk us through all things football. I want to set the scene if I can. Um, I must put my hands up. I wasn't expecting much for the FIFA Women's World Cup at the beginning of the tournament, but it is a tournament that has delivered, and it's also delivered some great advertisements as well. What's your dream? To win championships? A scholarship? Do you want to be a bigger athlete than Serena Williams? 
Or do you want to be the first girl to play for the Yankees? Can you be the generation that ends gender inequality? Or will you show that champions in your sport can also look like you? Maybe your dream is to be the first 13-year-old to go pro. Or to push a sport to accept everyone just as they are. craziest dream of all is the one that starts a million more. Team USA have lived up to the hype as well. Goal celebrations and all. <laughs> Question to you, Matt Fortune, and to you, Mark Archer, as well. As we as we dive into this, is, is is the game or the format or the investment or whatever for women's football in America has obviously worked, judging by the results that they've had in recent years. Why has it not been the same for the men's? That's a great question, Tom. I think because there's priorities probably in in the men's game already. If you look at American sports, traditionally soccer is not amongst those. So I think perhaps they saw an opportunity. The rest of the world was, was really lagging with the amount of investment they were putting into to women's football, women's soccer. And the Americans thought, perhaps smartly, there's a window here for us to actually put our stamp on a global sport that perhaps they don't normally do away from track and field and those other traditional things. Of course, the things the Americans specialize in are very central to that country. And I think it's shown now the value that it can have, that advert there giving me goosebumps, the, the things that Nike have been putting out, that actually people have realized there is a real tidal wave of interest in this kind of thing. And people getting behind it, you need only look at the numbers for the Lionesses in England, 11.7 million people yeah. watching that semi-final in true English style. They collapse and missed a penalty and <laughs> as it was so so in that sense those sports with the men's are very much on a par but you can tell just in the stands the discussions and I think one of the most interesting things actually and I don't want to take away from talking about what's happened on the field but the fact that some of the behaviors of the people playing has dripped into the mainstream media cycle is testament to how important these people are these women are now not just sports women that that play a second-rate version of the men's sport they're actual bona fide celebrities in their own right Megan Rapinoe of course and we can't broadcast what she said that got her into that mainstream news cycle but what she said afterwards following up eloquently intelligently putting her opinion across whatever you believe of it it's hard not to respect that and then of course a, a celebration making news which i thought was a tea drinking disc being a diplomatic issue I, I mean, world cup i mean if that's all the british are known for doing wrong then i think we're okay sadly that's not the case but i think those kind of things that are making front page news shows what absolute interest there is in this sport i think it's been great yeah, it's a, very, it's a very simple answer to your question, Tom, is that you've ever heard the, to the term soccer mum. So uh, in, 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 in American sport, you have four mainstream sports for, which are really male-dominated and ma played by males. I am very well aware <laughs> of said phrase for one reason or another. Well, you're soccer dad, aren't you? They're not soccer mum. You, you've, you've, you've got the big Land Rover and you drive the kids around the, and, and the girls around the football practice. So in the, in the US, there's four major sports that are dominated, the male-dominated, and, the, and the, male, the male participation sport. So you've got NFL, you've got American football, NBA, you've got ice hockey, um, of course, and you've got Major League Baseball. 
Major League Soccer has made massive inroads in the last decade or so, but it's still very much the fifth major sport, particularly from a, a male perspective. And the female side of things, women's football, women's soccer as they call it in the US, is by far the most dominant and popular sport for, children's, for children of, of, of both sexes and for, and for females who go on to play in college and then go on and play in some of the professional leagues. So soccer, as they say in the US, uh, for females is the number one sport and it's, it's incredibly popular and, and hence the term soccer mum, or in your case, soccer dad. Not sure about that, but soccer mum all the way. Uh, so there is one game in the FIFA Women's World Cup today. That's England against Sweden for one of these awful third, fourth playoffs who no one wants to play in. I, I want to grab on that debate point there. How on earth do you make this game more interesting? I mean, third place playoffs have to be the Not most. <laughs> they have to be the most pointless. No one wants to be there in the crowd because they've all wished they'd had tickets for something else. <laughs> None of the players want to be there because they really just wish they were on their holidays already. It's such a crushingly disappointing thing to get. No one keeps. Do they even get bronze medals? And then what? Do fourth place get a, a certificate? Yeah, thanks it, for coming. It's a, yeah. You know, there's nothing more pointless than just turning up for a game. What that is no it, one is it wants to do to with win. rankings? To do with FIFA points? I'm is assuming there's some sort of points tally but just get equal points for the semi-finals that's fine enough it's just there in football and in rugby world cups have third and fourth playoffs well for whatever reason it's an extra game i guess it fills a void between semi-finals and the final so it's another television slot and uh yeah, it's, a, it's a bit pointless. I've been, I've been to these matches before and they're terrible because you, you can just be, you're in the stadium and the fans don't really want to be there, but yeah. you've, you've bought the ticket. The teams don't really want to be there and you, you, you struggle even watching on TV because third or fourth, no one remembers who finishes third or who finishes fourth I was, anyway. I was trying to think, did England finish fourth in the World Cup, just third or fourth in the World Cup? Just God, I actually can't remember. Probably fourth. It's one of those things where you think maybe for, for nations that have massively overachieved to get through to the semi-finals, it's nice to perhaps finish third. But for anybody else, it's just it's just especially looking at the Lionesses. They the way they went out in that semi-final, they put everything on the line. They had a goal disallowed, rightly so, regardless of what you think of VAR. It was right, but it was painful to watch. And then and then a missed penalty. I think the last thing any of them wanted to do was try and g themselves up for another game. So should we get excited about the final tomorrow yes. then? Uh, Seven o'clock local time here in the UAE. States taking on the Netherlands. Yeah, described, uh, I thought, quite interestingly as the juggernaut be the new kid on the block. And uh, and that's absolutely right. I think anybody at the beginning of this tournament suggested that it was going to be USA against somebody from Europe, uh, even the USA coach. They've been accused of arrogance kind of throughout this tournament, actually, especially around that teacup celebration. I don't think it's a problem. I do think they maybe shouldn't go along the lines, as their coach said, which was they have the best team in the world and the second best team in the world as well, uh, which I thought was with a pretty punchy way to start a tournament, but they have proved that way, of course. They won 13-0 famously in the group stages, but it haven't, they haven't had it all their own way. They've, they've, they've got through, but it certainly, it certainly got tighter as they progressed. That game against England in the semi-final, they were rattled for a long period of that yeah. game. England massively overachieving. Nobody thought they would get all the way through to the final, but they really showed that, that you can get at the US side. They do have some excellent players, though, and I think... Looking at this final, it's, we'll look at another final later on, the Copper America, which is perhaps slightly more one-sided than this. But the Dutch, they're in only their second ever World Cup appearance. They do, did win the Euros a couple of years ago, and they are on an upward trajectory. But I just think with the likes of Rapinoe, yes, she's made news because of what she's been saying off the pitch, but she's a tricky winger. She's, she's an excellent finisher, scored two goals in the semi-final. She's kind of the heartbeat of that team. And you look at Alex Morgan again, the, the storm in a teacup, as she's being known as in the United States, uh, the UK press. She's got six goals. She's in line for the Golden Boot. Everywhere around that team, 
they have options. The Dutch are not without their own threats, of course, but they've had to go, they've had to work harder, should I say. Everything's been a little bit more gruelling through the knockout stages. That semi-final going to extra time a day after the US-England game, so they've got an extra half hour in the legs, 24 hours less to recover. It's going to be a big, big ask. It's certainly going to be a good game. I'm expecting a high-scoring game, probably, well, almost certainly in favour of the US, but a high-scoring game certainly worth tuning in for. Matt, a couple of questions have come out in the media in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, and given that you were, were not a big fan of a, a elongated Cricket World <laughs> Cup, Gianni Infantino said he wants to extend it from, a, I think, 32 to 48 mm. teams next, which is going to mirror the men's. Yeah. Seeing that we've already had a 16-0 result <laughs> showing the balance between teams, introducing another dozen teams or so into yeah. the World Cup might be interesting. But he's also said to the positive he wants to double the prize money and give more money into the sport, which will filter down. Just your thoughts on the tournament as a whole and, and obviously Infantino's comments as the, as the FIFA president in the last sort of 48 hours. Yeah, well, I mean, anything that Infantino has said really since he, he took charge on a wave of positivity, everyone sort of felt, but that's kind of fallen by the wayside. I think it's difficult. I think 48 teams, and you're absolutely right, and, and just to clarify, I wasn't too critical about it. I didn't, I'm not necessarily hate the concept of, of long tournaments, but I do think there comes a time when you want to watch the best of the best all the time. You don't want to see big thumpings uh, like you did for the USA uh, Thailand. It was 30 now. Interestingly in my research today, that's the longest time it's taken for the USA to score in any of their games. <laughs> was, the, was the Thailand game a whole 12 minutes. Um, but I think extending it, it's a tricky balance I would suggest. If you look at something like the Cricket World Cup where you are trying to encourage the lesser nations to, to, to practice against, or practice is unfair in a competitive environment, to get exposure to better nations and, and more accomplished nations. That is one way of doing it through this tournament. But 48 teams it's just not credible it takes away some of that magic it takes away some of that competition and you find it really, really difficult to be interested actually I think there was criticism of the US after they celebrated every single one of those goals but ultimately the US are there to win they're there to put down a marker they can't take a back seat and think oh we're going to ease off a little bit because it's unfair but I do think that if you extended the pool of players uh, that pool of teams sorry that you would have some of those instances where it just becomes dead rubbers and that probably has a negative effect on the casual observer who'd be watching a game that, that lacks competition and here we had Tom criticising net run, uh, run rates earlier it will be about goal difference so yeah. goal difference might be a decider who beats who 10-0 12-0 and again you don't really want tournaments settled by who, who gave someone a bigger thumping than another team no, because it ruins the competition. Ultimately, this is a World Cup, and, and it sort of sounds a bit dismissive to say, but you want the best people to be there. And I'm sorry if you're, you're not very good or you've got the misfortune of being from a, a nation where there's not enough people and not enough infrastructure. You have to go right down to the grassroots. You don't accelerate your exposure into these environments and then make yourself better by getting thumped 13 14 15 nil you do it by learning where you possibly can and then focusing on those grassroots games which they've done in general in the women's game a couple of games uh, to look forward to later on today in the africa cup of nations nigeria taking on cameroon at eight o'clock this evening egypt uh, or mo salah and 10 others if you listen to the mainstream media these days they take on south africa at 11 o'clock this evening uh, we're into the round of 16 a couple of games tomorrow as well madagascar we've had a good run they take on democratic republic of congo and algeria against guinea it's interesting uh, africa cup of nations it's the the, the 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 northern african teams that continue to dominate this tournament i know they've got a home advantage at the moment but that sort of wealth of talent the algerians the the the, the egyptians seem to be dominating the headlines there at the moment yeah and it's a 
Yeah, it's tricky because it, I guess it again becomes part of those signature players and yeah. then you get that wave of uh, excitement around certain players that, that then carries through and the nation get behind them and then we throw extra host nation benefits into it. It makes it that way. I think interesting about the Africa Cup of Nations, it's, it's almost bypassed me because I'm so used to it being, I know it changed two years ago to the summer tournament. It used to be January, didn't it? And it, it used to cause havoc with the Premier Leagues, etc. Well, let's look across to the World Cup in a couple of years, how much havoc that's going to cause for everybody. As well. But it has kind of bypassed me and, and actually going back to the Women's World Cup, final they've uh, Megan Rapinoe has been uh, outspoken this week in saying our final is on the same day as two other finals and I think we almost we're oversaturated with football anyway let's give each respective tournament its own window of opportunity to shine I think the African Cup of Nations has probably suffered on a global scale because of the fact it's been run at the same time as these other tournaments talking of suffering they must be suffering as well I mean it's hot here <laughs> imagine what it's like in North Africa at the moment Absolutely roasty toasty well, at the moment. I was sweating just walking from the car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have we got going on in uh, South America, the Copper America? Uh, well, there is a third, fourth playoff to not look forward to later <laughs> on today. 11 o'clock sees Argentina take on Chile. I suppose all the focus, though, will be on the final tomorrow, Brazil against Peru. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. And I think we've touched on maybe the, the, slightly, the slight imbalance in the Women's World Cup final. You're seeing two teams come up against each other in the Copa America, who about a week and a bit ago, one emerged a 5-0 victor against the other. I don't want to be in that... I wouldn't want to be in that Peruvian dressing room looking back on that one as we're about to walk out. So, uh, And that's what it is. It's at the Maracanano less as well. So you're walking into the home of Brazilian football having been beat 5-0 a week or so earlier. But to be honest with you, Brazil, they're not... They haven't got a great record in showpiece games recently. They've looked excellent in this tournament so far, but it is their first chance at winning the Copa America since 2007, which surprises me. Chile, the last two winners, they were beaten in, in what was a massive upset a couple of days ago by Peru, a 3-0 win. But this is Peru's first outing in the final and actually shot at winning it since 1975, which I think is about the sort of same time that you were around, Tom. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that very same year, I think. So it's... Uh, it, it, Again, it's one of these tournaments. Is, again, they've tried to sort of dabble with it. A couple of mm. guest teams coming into the group stages and things like that. Uh, the big guns making it through to the semi-final stage. I, 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 I mean, yeah, okay, we look forward to the, the final tomorrow. But I suppose the big talkers are out there already because regardless of what happens in the final, regardless of what happens in this tournament, it all comes down to the Brazil versus Argentina <laughs> debate and games. Um, and again, it's Brazil who's come out with uh, bragging rights again this year. Well, yeah, they have. They won that semi-final against the Argentines 2-0. Uh, and it was actually big players for, from, uh, from, yeah, from the Premier League, of course. Roberto Firmino and Gabriel Jesus scoring and, and assisting the other. I do think it's one of those tournaments that garners a little bit more interest from the wider world because there are so many South American players in the big leagues across Europe. As a result, people are therefore a bit more interested. You look at the fact that Chelsea's Willian, of course, part of that devastating front four for Brazil, which I think are going to be uh, enjoying themselves, shall we say, this time tomorrow. But looking back at that semi-final, we actually had a quarter-final run where there were four nil-nils in this tournament, which is very un-South American-like. And, and that semi-final continued Argentina's own disappointing performance in front of goal. I know it's, a, it's an age-old debate. How on earth are the Argentinians not as good, not how do you say it? The sum of their parts. They don't reach the sum of their parts. You know, at one point on the field, it's Sergio Aguero and, and Lionel Messi. And they just cannot get through a Brazilian defence that is not notoriously that stubborn. And of course, it, it threw up the result. And I said to you before, I'd actually quite like to, to get guys' opinion on this. I know people have spoken about it before. But is this tournament the moment that we say Cristiano Ronaldo is officially a better player than Lionel Messi? I know it's, it, it comes down on both sides what type of player you like, what type of 
athlete you like, but the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo can grab a team that shouldn't be winning big international tournaments by the scruff of the neck and get them over the line in the way he has done with Portugal over the last few years, yet Lionel Messi looks a shadow of the player that represents Barcelona week in, week out. Food for thought, and I can guarantee there will be opinions flooding in. If you've got an opinion on that one, uh, what has this latest Copa America done for the reputation of a certain Lionel Messi? Uh, if you would like to share your thoughts, text them to us now, 4001. We'll get the thoughts of Mark Archer on that particular question in just a few moments. Plus, we talk transfers. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai Eye Sport. Yes, it is game on uh, down here at Kickers where we are enjoying uh, all the live sport. We're putting a picture of the live sport uh, in various sporting venues and arenas around the world in just a few moments' time. But just on that question we left hanging as well, Mark Archer was, was chomping at the bit for him to have his say. Uh, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, opinions change? Uh, no, I've, look, it's so hard. You can have, we've had this debate on the radio for years. It's, I know Chris and Robbie do it a lot on, on, on extra time. We've had when, it, when they're short of other content, I suspect. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and you know, even flows. And the, and, and should, we do the, should we do the messy? Yeah, let's do that one again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's so tough, so tough to, to, to pull them apart statistically, what they've done for their clubs, how many goals they've scored, how many assists they provide, the national team's success. It's so hard to really separate the, the, t- the two of them over the, over the course of their, their both their wonderful careers. I, I agree with the point that Matt says that I think Ronaldo's success with Portugal and sometimes an average Portugal side of, of dragging them, being the guy that's taken the team on his shoulders and put in some big, big performances, particularly in World Cups where he's just... He's just come up with the goods in those big games. Not to say that Messi hasn't, but on the international stage, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo's form equals his club form. Yeah. And I think you can't say the same about Lionel Messi for whatever reason. And I, I, I was just thinking about why Argentina and maybe Brazil haven't performed as well in recent years as, say, some of the European sides. And maybe a factor is this that you can say is because the Argentinian team is so spread around the globe, you know, some players are domestic, but majority of them play in different clubs, whether it be in the Premier League, in La Liga, in the different competitions. It's so tough, tough when you bring them together for short periods of time for tournament play. The same may be argued for Brazil when you pull them together, who play all around the world in the different leagues. It's maybe an advantage that same way Ronaldo has, playing together, and a lot, of the, a lot of the Portuguese players who play in a much more confined space. They play in Europe, they probably get together for more camps, they all probably grew up in the same systems. So I just think that maybe that's an advantage that Ronaldo has just because Portugal have a, have a geographical advantage of where they play. But again, it's, it's, it's not going you can, to... You can have this argument a hundred different times and come up with a hundred different answers. And, and, and for me, I think Ronaldo just edges it slightly on, on... He's done more with Portugal on the international stage. Yeah, I think you have to... Do, you're absolutely right, Audrey. We could, go, we could go on for hours about it. But I think you look at that body of work. You look at Champions League titles with two different clubs. You look at league titles in three different countries. The European Cup, of course, with Portugal. Since the last time Messi won a big prize that anybody really cared about, Ronaldo's won a European Championships and three Champions Leagues and moved club to won a league title. I just think it's... Personally, who would I rather watch? Of course, I'd much rather watch Lionel Messi. He's pure. He's just—it's natural, beautiful gift that he has. Whereas Ronaldo is a, is an athlete. He's trained himself to be the best. They're, they're chalk and cheese in their approach. Of course, they are. But I think when history looks back on on the two of them as a pure body of work, I think Ronaldo wins by, by quite a significant margin. We would like to also squeeze in a little conversation about all things 
Paul Pogba. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> that you're Messi, you know, now this. Uh, fellas, apparently, Paul Pogba wants to leave Manchester United. Well, I never. Matt Fortune. Well, yeah, that's the first I've heard. I mean, I, I, uh, I try and defend Paul Pogba. I think he gets a bit of a rough deal. I think the, the price tag was, a, was something around his neck when he arrived at Manchester United. You look at the way the press treat him with his criticising his haircuts and the fact that he's a little bit of a luxury player and he's young and he's a bit brash. It's very easy to criticise someone like that. But I'm now finding it increasingly hard to defend someone that is so agitating for a move, whose attitude so clearly changes whether or not he feels in the mood to support the people around him. And that is not a nice trait in anybody. He's actually got a great number of things in his personal life that, that are incredibly impressive. He does a lot of work in the community. He's a very religious guy. He's a very good family man. He looks after all of his brothers. He's, a, in many levels, a very impressive young professional. But this sort of constant agitating to, to be the centre of attention in his professional life makes it really difficult to support. I know he's probably got the wrong kind of people in his ear. His agent is obviously sniffing around for another big fee. I think we worked out it was something like 30 million quid from that 89 million was, was to the agent. And, and that makes it harder for him to then focus on the football when he's got those people trying to make those big decisions for him. But this is Manchester United. I'm not a Manchester United fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm certainly not a Jose Mourinho fan either. And, and the way the Pogba, I think, treated him was, was certainly worthy of note. But you don't agitate to leave a club that you joined in such stunning fashion, who, who brought you back after you left them, after you turned your back on them again in, in not a very pleasant means by letting your contract run down after they'd invested in you as a youth team player and then start battering eyelid, battering, batting eyelids at uh, Real Madrid. You just don't do those kind of things. And for me, the quicker he's out of that club, I think the better for everybody concerned. Arch, you are a Manchester United fan. Yeah, it's been... F it's still? Been are you still or not? <laughs> still a fan. Been a fan for a long time. And uh, I've seen the ups and downs of the years. And look, I, I, I'm like a bit like Matt. I've, I've wanted to defend Pogba since he's been there. For me, he should be not the best player in the Premier League, but he should be one of the most dominant players. He should be the box-to-box -box player. He's a World Cup winner. You know, he's a World Cup winner. And it, what he did for France last year, he was the best player in that position in the tournament. And he was a dominant player. And he just hasn't done that consistently for Manchester United week in, week out. He's shown flashes of brilliance, but at times he's shown flashes of inconsistency and, and, and really poor play and put his, put his other teammates under pressure. And there is talk about him being a, a, a negative dressing room influence. Look, we don't know. We don't know what we read in the press, what we, what's right and what's wrong most of the time. But if he wants to leave, I say get rid of him. United need to sweep the, the team free of any distracting influence and, and, and go from scratch. What I would say, though, is they do not let him go on the cheap. If they signed him for, what was it, 89, 90 million pounds, yeah. if the market rate for a Paul Pogba is 150 million pounds, that, that is the market rate on what he is. If they've signed Aaron Wan-Bissaka, an uncapped player, an uncapped footballer for 50 million, Paul Pogba is a World Cup winning player. And given the market rate, if you're not getting 130, 140, 150 million pounds, you don't let him go because that's his rate. But the problem with Manchester United is they tend to overpay for players and they tend to then let players go on the cheap, just the, just the nature of the market forces. And so if they're going to get that sort of money from Real Madrid or PSG, wherever he may end up going, if it's 140 or 150, then I say take the money, get rid of them, buy two or three young players in and start from scratch and, and build, build the fan base back to support the club playing the way they want to play. 
conversation continues all things sport in just a few moments time uh, we are live down here at kickers in the heart of dubai sports city uh, we have got sport plenty around us at the moment so please come on down and be part of it south africa off to a flyer against australia update on that one next there's just so much more to hear download our podcasts at dubaii 1038.com